remember the words of Psalm 118, 22 to 24. The same stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The things of God. I just wanted to make sure when we prayed to call it that you didn't miss the words that were so powerful to me. It's easy as we go through the liturgy and parts of the liturgy, especially the collet and the readings from the Old Testament and the Psalm, the New Testament and the Gospel to not stay focused, just kind of gloss over and I know I'm guilty of that when I'm not up front and it requires a bit of a focus and discipline and grace from the Lord for me to be able to do that. But this this collet said it really guided my sermon. It said, first of all, acknowledge it is almost always the collets do acknowledges who we're praying to. And I've heard some well-meaning teachers and preachers say, you know, when you pray, you shouldn't say, "Oh, heavenly Father in heaven, how great Thou art." You should just say, "Oh, Daddy." And I understand the concept, and there's truth in that. But there's also the reality that He is the almighty, powerful creator in heaven, and we are His creatures, and it's good to put that in perspective when we pour out our heart to Him. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things. And it said to nourish us with all goodness. And because of that nourishment with all goodness, those God's initiative, God's action in us, His grace, then it will bring forth fruit of good works. So in this gospel reading today we are very familiar with it most of us are Peter first Christ Christ tells his disciples what's to come and this is the first time we have record of him telling them in the scriptures but there's two to three other times that he tells them prior to the passion Uh, and Mark is chapters 8 9 and 10 three chapters in a row it says that he told his disciples what was to come that he was to be crucified uh, arrested crucified and uh, killed and three days later he would rise up from the grave somehow they obviously they didn't they weren't prepared they didn't hear him they didn't understand it didn't gel in their in their thinking and their being exactly what was to come and, and Peter's first response who had just previously we don't know it wasn't necessarily time wise a few moments before but it, in the gospel it's immediately before that passage is where Jesus asked the disciples who do people say that I am and Peter, and Peter said you're the Christ and Jesus said you know, blessed are you, Simon. You shall be the rock. 
Peter. Then, and then when when Jesus, you know, breaks the news with them of the plan of God, the purpose of His life, Peter rebukes him and says, "It'll never be. I won't let it happen." And Jesus said. In some translations it says, you're not setting your mind on the things of God. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So, changing your perspective can change everything. Or at least it can dramatically shift your focus. The reality may not change. The circumstances may not change, but your perception of them can take a 180 degree shift. I'm sure we've all had the experience of being on a long trip and having kids with us and the kids in the back seat are asking you every 10 minutes, how much further, how much longer before we get there? Your patience can wear thin, and on the kids' part, the boredom or and the anticipation or whatever emotions they're feeling can continue to climb. Usually a little creative thinking can redirect the kids' focus depending on how old they are and allow the time to pass more pleasantly for everyone in the car. I know when our kids were little, we made many trips from here to East Texas. It's a 12-hour drive. And uh, of course, back then we had a station wagon, and we made a pallet in the in the way back, and the kids would be sprawled out on the pallet so they could move around and play, and not like today. But uh, somehow God kept them kept them alive. Uh, but they would ask, "How much farther, Daddy?" And I would say, oh, "About 20 minutes." And that worked great until they learned to tell time and they realized it didn't mean anything. <laughs> but it kept them from asking too often because I always said about 20 minutes. And to, you know, if they asked me that today, I would say the same thing. <clears throat> in, the re in the gospel reading, you know, Jesus had told the disciples, he plainly tells them that he's going to be harshly persecuted, that he's going to be killed by the actions of the elders the chief priests and the scribes, these are the ones, these are the men, the holy men, the, right, the, the perceived righteous and religious men, the ones who held the, the highest office, the most power and authority in the, Jewish religion, in the Jewish religion. These are the men who are going to order his execution and uh, actually lie to make it happen. In fact, in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there are two to three additional times after this initial episode when Jesus retold the disciples of his soon-to-occur death. But he didn't just tell them he was going to die. Each time he promised them that he would rise up from the dead after three days in the grave. <clears throat> so Peter taken aback by this shocking news he expected Christ to be the long awaited Messiah he, he promised that he would never let anyone harm Jesus how often 
do we make promises that we can't keep we may have every intention of keeping our promise we may feel strongly in the in the very core of our innermost being that we will do what we promise to do but then something changes we realize that we cannot or or we do not have the power to keep our word we flip-flop and we end up doing the exact opposite just as Peter fled when at the time of Christ's persecution so but Jesus tells Peter that his perspective is wrong he says in fact that he's his perspective is completely opposite that of God's plan that he is speaking on behalf of Satan Peter has set his mind on how he thinks it will go. Peter thinks, I mean, and we probably would too if we were there. We, Christ was at the apex of his popularity. He had done many miracles and had great crowds following him. And Peter expected him to continue to grow in popularity and eventually went over the masses to follow him and help them to overcome the powers that be for there to be a revolution that there would be a redistribution of the power especially among the Jews maybe even a redistribution of the wealth you know if you looked at the miracles recorded in the Bible and what the disciples had seen we could easily believe that Peter was certain that in due time all disease all hunger and justice would be wiped out and they'd never run out of wine they had even seen Jesus raise the dead. Peter was convinced that when Jesus said the kingdom of God was at hand, that it was even here now in their midst, that they were on the verge of experiencing life in paradise. But Peter was wrong, dead wrong. The kingdom was in their midst, but not in the way he expected the spiritual darkness was about to have a supernova burst, for, burst forth and blow away the darkness. Adrian Rogers says it like this. The good news is that God has shined his glorious light into our spiritual darkness. Jesus burst into the darkness of the world, shining forth with the brilliant, illuminating light of God. God took the initiative to dispel our spiritual darkness, heal our spiritual blindness, and give us a new spiritual life. Though we couldn't overcome the darkness on our own, God has come to rescue us. But Peter didn't understand this. He didn't have the right perspective. Jesus told Peter that his eyes were focused on this world and its matters but needed to be focused on the things of God. Peter, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. So, so what are the things of God? Jesus taught a lot about matters of the heart. He taught a lot about focusing on the needs and interests of others and not our own. He taught about being a servant and not a ruler. He taught about being forgiving, having a grateful heart, a heart full of mercy, of being gentle, of being a peacemaker. 
he taught a lot about having a deep trust in the goodness and power and love of God. However, we cannot transform ourselves into behaving in all the ways he taught. In the bigger story of God, we read in the scriptures from the Garden of Eden down to today, we see the message of the gospel is to believe. It is not to be good. It is not to abstain from being bad. In fact, that was the purpose of the law. To expose the inability of mankind to overcome their sin. And we do sin. We are guilty. We cannot make amends to God. We cannot restore the damage wrought by our sin. We cannot heal the wounds inflicted by our sin. We cannot repay the debt incurred by our sin, but Jesus can, and he has. He has finished what he came to do, and the good news is that because he has taken our sins upon himself, we have been reconciled to God. We have been restored to being fully accepted sons and daughters of God. We are in the family, not just barely, but we are all in. Peter just needed to adjust his perspective. Jesus did come to wipe out all hunger and disease and injustice. And Christ has overcome the final enemy. He has trampled down death by death. Reading 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 to 12. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher which is why I suffer as I do but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me that Christ is even abolished death. So he, when we think about his words to Peter, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. We can think about what does the story told in the scriptures direct our thoughts to? Here's a, here, here's a hint. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, those things that are precious, those things that are praiseworthy, deeds of glory and of praise, meditate on these things. Let your mind dwell on these things and the peace of God will be with you.
there are other things deep things mysteries of God that we can pursue but we must always keep as our goal to discover more of what God is like and to learn more about how he feels toward us not to make ourselves more like God by mastering the secrets of the universe in our culture today it, it may well be that knowledge has become the ultimate idol we esteem knowledge as the supreme virtue the highest knowledge is this God loves you he has forgiven you He's not mad at you nor ashamed of you. In fact, he delights in you and longs for you to turn the eyes of your heart toward him. May we experience the goodness and love of God in such an unexpected and overwhelming way that it produces in us the fruit of good works. Amen. Let's stand together and proclaim our common faith in the Nicene Creed.